0: This episode is sponsored by Coastal Leather Supply, created by leather crafters for leather crafters, supplying premium leather, tools and all your other leather working needs. Specialise in vegetable tan leather such as Buttero, Pueblo and many others. They ship internationally and are trusted in the Australian and New Zealand leather working community. Visit coastalleathersupply.com.au. So welcome to episode 28 of the Joseph M. Leather Podcast. In this episode, I talked to Jordan from Jordan Gridsby Designs. Jordan is from Kentucky, United States, and is a jeweler full time as well as an aspiring, the full time leather crafter. He makes bags and other small leather goods. Welcome, Jordan. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for thanks for reaching out. Um, yeah. So, just tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, growing up, I guess in high school, I, I never was someone who considered themselves artistic. I never really took drawing classes. Um, I never really made stuff. I never really did any of that stuff. But I I went to college, and um, I wanted to be a graphic designer. And at the college I went to, in order to be a graphic designer, it's in the art program. Um, And for whatever reason, I don't know how it happened, I I signed up late for my classes. Um, And so the advisor suggested that I take some prerequisites to get – at least some other classes knocked out, so I can start my major classes. Um, and one of the classes I took was a jewelry and metal smithing class, um, and I enjoyed it actually more than I enjoyed my graphic design classes. So I switched my major from graphic design to jewelry and metal smithing, and kind of kind of stuck with it. Um, I had no intention to to become a jeweler um, or any of that, but even though that the college never really taught me how to become a jeweler it was more um, based upon like artistic jewelry jewelry like metal vases and metal objects if that makes that makes sense it wasn't like it wasn't traditional jewelry it was more like artistic jewelry um the teacher didn't the teacher itself wasn't really a jeweler she knew how to work metal and you know she's more of a metal smith than a jeweler i guess
0: okay um
1: uh, but graduating, I didn't really see myself being a jeweler. I didn't really know what I want to do. So I kind of bounced around a few careers, finally ended up applying at a jewelry store just to sell. Cause I, again, I never really saw myself as a jeweler. Um, I got into the sales and, and, and then they had the opening at their, uh, their shop where they repaired the jewelry. Um, and then shortly, I applied for that just to kind of change things up. And once I, I got into the shop, uh, it's like an apprentice program, you know. A lot of like a lot of trades do. You start from the bottom, um, polishing a lot of rings, and you work yourself up. You get promoted. You become a jeweler, um, and then you know you kind of work your way up. There's different levels of jewelers depending on what you can do, what you're uh, what you're good at. It depends on what uh, what level you are. Um, if you can set certain stones, if you can, it depends on what you can do. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, if that makes sense.
0: It's interesting because like, I remember back in school, like, I, I just dreaded art class. Like, I just did not like art class. It was so boring. And, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, even photography, you sort of think that's that, that's boring. But then you sort of, when you, I don't know, find something like leather craft or, you know, jewellery, you bring those skills that you, you dreaded and you you start to enjoy them, I guess, like, the artistic shapes of, you know, leather and different colors and textures, and yes, yeah, it's, it's very interesting.
1: So, so how long have you been a jeweler? Was it like a four-year apprenticeship? Um, it's not really like a traditional, it's your, your job as an apprentice, it's not really like a program, so you, what you do is all the jewelers there, um, Make or they design the rings and they fix them or they're whatever they do and they hand it off to you and you kind of have to finish them up. You, yeah. you polish them and you get them cleaned up and ready for the customer. Um, and when you have downtime, is when you start learning like little things here and there from the jewelers. Like you'll ask them questions or you'll sit down and kind of work with them and kind of slowly over time learn how to do what they're doing. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, like a traditional uh, apprenticeship, but just without the. It's it's not really like a. program it's more just like a a role yeah it's not like
0: you have to do all your modules and get them ticked off it's just more so learn as you go i guess exactly um so so can you like uh so so you can like set stones and all that now correct yes yeah okay um so how was it about learning all the different types of stones because there's all you know after what's the the, and what's the purple stone after amethyst yeah that one it's like all this yeah sapphire ruby yeah what's um is there a difference between them all
1: like obviously there is but the it's the more expensive the stone is some a lot of times it's easier to set like a diamond is a lot easier to set than a than amethyst um it it really the shapes are all really the same it all depends on uh um, how hard the stone is, and how much room for error you have as far as setting it. When you have a really hard stone, there's a, a lot bigger room for error. You can slip on your pliers. You can you can make a mistake, and it doesn't damage the stone. Whereas, like a really soft stone, like an amethyst, if you slip your pliers, you're, you're, there's a chance you could you could chip it or, or you could break it.
0: So, how do you set a stone? Because you got like the four claws or whatever.
1: Yeah. So how does you, it? Yeah. it seems a lot more complicated than it really is and all you're really doing is notching out a seat for the stone to set in if you imagined the you know how when you if you look down at a, a diamond that's around the the farthest out edges it's called the uh, girdle mm-hmm. and um, that you need to mirror the angle of that in the what you call the claw or the prong of the, yeah. the head. You need to mirror that where it sets in there perfectly without, you don't want any kind of metal that's pushing on a certain part of the stone that shouldn't be. Um, you want it to kind of set in the head, and the top part of the prong is going to push down on top of the stone. Yeah. So the seats where the, the, seat or the head, where the stone sets in, you don't re- really want any kind of pressure. The pressure needs to come from the top. And kind of push down in the stone okay it's kind of a, a basic overview of it it's a lot more it's a lot simpler than it looks yeah um but it's the complicated part of it is it's just knowing what to do and if it doesn't go perfect or, or if the stone is slightly off-center or if the, just a bunch of little things that make it more complicated yeah that makes sense so like um so is it what's the hardest part is it
0: the cutting out the groove or is it sort of like do you just fold the, or folding the claws
1: or whatever over the top? Um, probably the hardest part is the cutting the seats is is fairly easy. The hardest part is making sure that you don't put too much pressure on the stone itself and worry about breaking it because when you're bending the prongs down to tighten the stone, is when you're most likely to damage the stone. Yeah, because that's when the pressure is actually being applied to it. Yeah. Um. So. You, you have to remove metal from certain parts of the the prong to make sure that it bends in a way that puts pressure on the stone but that doesn't put too much pressure that'll break it.
0: And it's just like what just normal pliers you use?
1: Well, we have little pliers of jeweler's pliers. Okay. Just like in leather work, there's... I mean, there's 50 different pliers or 50 different things you can use for anything. And some people who do jewelry work use the bare minimums like two or three pairs of pliers but i've seen other jewelers that go through 15 pliers setting a stone so it it just all depends on what you've learned what you've got at hand and and and, and how you do it what do you when you are when you are setting a stone
0: do you have to are you working like in silence like no one else can talk to
1: you or is it in in most of the shops that i've been in it's never really silent unless oh, really? you got like a yeah unless you got like a super expensive stone that you're really worried about mm-hmm. um you're always getting interrupted or stopping or having to answer a question or look at something or people talking to you or the one shop i had there's a window in front of me that people would like look at you like a like a, a circus animal <laughs> while you're setting <laughs> it like the customers could walk up right around the window and, and stare at you while you're setting stones and you get kind of used to it. And it just, it, I mean, it doesn't really bother you.
0: Yeah. Cause yeah, I did have that thought actually. It's like, if I ever opened a shop, like you'd want people to look at you, like see you actually making items, but then yeah. you don't want to feel like a caged animal. Like people like yeah. looking at you through a piece of glass. Like so what is your, what, what's your favorite stone? You posted that t- um, Tanzania stone. I saw
1: tanzanite yeah Tanzanites, I, I one of my first stones when i became a jeweler i bought my wife a, t- a little tanzanite stone that was that was probably one of the first like softer stones that i set on my own um and i, I made my wife a little ring i do enjoy tanzanite um aquamarine is a really cool stone it's, it's a unique a unique color that you don't see very much it's like that like the aqua color blue yeah um it's a really nice looking stone probably tanzanite or aquamarine are my favorite
0: yeah um have you ever have you worked with opals before
1: a little bit, yeah,
0: yeah, because because I think Australia is the only continent that has opals.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you got like the, you got the light ones, and the then most...
0: the more darker ones, which are the um
1: yeah, they had, the the fire opals are nice. They're they're probably the hardest stone to set, um, because they're not really a stone. They're like silica that has that's been hardened, and I mean. They're, they're p- people laugh. you can break them like a potato chip. Like they sound like a potato chip is breaking when you when you break them accidentally. Yeah, they're they're just that soft. Like they're um they're really delicate and they're not yeah. they're not much fun to work with. <laughs> and and if you crack a if you crack a stone, you can't
0: fix it. Like you can't just put some PVA and glue it up. Not really. No. No. Okay. no
1: there's there's some like some places that can like they're called fractured field and they you can't really if it's cracked they can fill it with like a resin it's almost like a glass yeah and it hardens it back up and but it's those are the places that you don't want to do business with because if you take that to a regular jeweler and they heat the ring up at all and it, it's all the stuff is going to run out of it it's, it's going to be this big mess oh, okay, and it's
0: yeah.
1: yeah it's like a it, you're kind of putting duct tape on it yeah so <laughs> um
0: what about pink diamonds so I found out from your Instagram they're the rarest diamonds. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, where like where do you where do you get like who's the supplier? Like you know, like with a leather supply, you just go to, you know, you can find. Is there houses? I don't know. How do you find a lot rock? The, you just
1: yeah. So like it's it's kind of funny. Like a lot of, a lot of the mine actually a lot of the diamond mines are in Australia. Um, oh, really? Australia is a, a huge diamond mine um, I think there's one in Canada um, there's a little bit in the United States it's not as popular um, but usually you have like a, a mediator called like a stone dealer I know it sounds kind of funny but um, there's a, a lot of the stone dealers in the United States are foreign I don't really know where they get their stones yeah. from but they uh, they you go through them usually get their stones um, if you want like a there's a few companies that you can buy diamonds from um like a larger companies but for the most part you get most of your stones from like an independent stone dealer
0: Mm-hmm. It, where, where are these diamond mines in australia because i might do, get some do some mining or something
1: yeah I honestly <laughs> i have no idea I no, just, okay you know you ever went to a jewelry store and you see like a little card that like talks about like where the stone like it, it'll have a little information on it i'm we don't <laughs> you just i've just gathered information over time and yeah, reading okay. those cards and people telling me stuff and but yeah <laughs> i know i know there's
0: opal's up at kuba pedi which is mm-hmm. um, and i think there's just like holes everywhere and they look yeah, like, it, looks, like, it looks like craters yeah it's pretty funny yeah, and people local. like live underground cuz it's so hot up there as well yeah um, yeah signet rings actually i'll ask you on, i'll ask you one more question about and then we'll get onto leathercraft so signet rings cuz i actually wanted to get a signet ring and they're exp- like I was sort of blown away about how expensive like rings are. Is there a reason why th- rings are so expensive? Cuz it's only like a little piece of metal. Is it more so just the labor that goes into it and the skill?
1: I guess it depends on like when you say a signet ring, you mean like a like a family seal or like a a, a, na- a like a a letter for a name or if you have somebody design a ring from scratch and then they 3d print it or 3d produce it and then cast it it's quite labor intensive yeah okay um um if you like if you want like a logo like the process like I'll, I'll explain it kind of generically like so you have a designer who designs it on a computer in a three dimension like whatever logos you got whatever you have and they'll show you like a three-dimensional view of your ring then they send that off or they do it they can print that ring in, in three dimensions with like a, a printable wax. And then you can have that ring in your hand and look at it. But it'd be made of wax. And then that ring gets sent to a caster, a person who casts ring. Um, and it's, they use a method called the lost wax method. It sounds kind of old, but it's like a they've been doing this method for thousands of years of casting rings and it really hasn't changed. Um, you put the ring on these little sprues that mounted on a rubber little stopper-looking thing, and then you put a metal tube over top of that, fill with a with a little a substance that looks like like plaster paris, like a plaster-looking substance, and then that goes into a kiln. It burns out. It heats it up to like I don't know, nine hundred to a thousand degrees. It burns out all the wax that was in there, so all that's left is a the negative of the ring that you had. Wow. That makes sense. Are you, are you following me?
0: Well, I'm just thinking of the. I saw the the video on your Instagram where like the these rings or something are just like coming out of this.
1: It yeah, that's like... yeah. I have a I have a 3D printer. Yeah, so yeah. that's the 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 you could use that and burn it. It's sim- it's similar to that. So yeah. you would take that and then you would use it and fill it up like the plastic the plaster type material, and then it, you burn it out. And then what's left is the negative in that space that's empty that your ring used to be because the plaster stayed there and your ring melted away so then they take that and they'll inject um metal into it there's certain ways they do that um and they'll force gold into it or silver whatever you're using cast it and wow. then they'll break that part then they'll break they'll break it away once that's done and then they'll um clean it up and then then you'll have your ring but that's all the steps it takes to get to the final finished ring
0: that actually it kind of reminds me of like um how they they make buckles like they have like the the casting of the buckles like they have like the sand and they put like the mold in between it and they pour the brass so it's sort of
1: like similar to that it's similar to that it just it's a little more but where rings have a little more detail um it has the 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 grains the the plaster materials is almost is almost like pancake like like powder it's It's soup it's like super fine so it, it captures the detail a lot more yeah um, is a little more important for jewelry as opposed to like something big like that that um, like a buckle
0: okay so all, all rings have to be cast like that you can't just get like a block of gold and then just like cut all around correct it. okay you correct. can't the cnc machine can you no. see
1: you probably you probably could i don't know the gold you might be able to but i don't know you can CNC like steel, so I would assume you can CNC. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't get the detail; wouldn't really be there though, because if you've looked at a ring, a lot of the the detail, um, like almost like the CNC machine can only CNC like X and Y axis, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas yeah. a ring has to like undulate and have parts that goes under, and mm-hmm. you wouldn't really be able to do that in a CNC machine. But I guess you could. You could make a, a plain looking ring. Yeah. A very basic one, yeah.
0: Gold doesn't stretch at all. It's just a, more of more so a soft
1: material. Um, what do you mean? Well, like it's not like
0: uh, elastic, where like it stretches. No, 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 it, it wouldn't.
1: We can. We can. We we have ways of stretching rings and stuff if we if we want to size them. But yeah. as far as wear, wearing it, it wouldn't change sizes. No. Okay.
0: Okay. No, that is cool, a jeweler trade. That's awesome. We'll get into the leather, leather craft side of it. So then how did you get into leather craft?
1: Well, in the, I was in the process of moving and buying a house, and me and my wife moved probably an hour away um, from where I was working at. And I was commuting from my house now to my job about an hour away. Um, and eventually that commu- hour commute got kind of old, and I live in a smaller town now. So having a trade, like being a jeweler is not as it's marketable when there's need for jewelers, but it's not marketable when nobody needs a jeweler. That yeah. makes sense. It's, it's not something that there's a lot of jobs available. Um, so i eventually I, I got tired of that commute. So I quit my job and got a job local. So I had to commute and there was no jobs here. Um, and I was like, I would like to start kind of working on you know, jewelry on the side for myself. So I have a detached garage and I got me a bench and got all the tools and, uh, got the torches and stuff I needed, you know, and, I uh, got a website and I started kind of making stuff and, and, and I thought, I was like, what can I, what can I make that could be a little more like costumey style jewelry, but still be nice. You know, and the first thing that I thought of and I was, cause my wife, um, wears jewelry that has like leather, not feathers but little leather feather shapes and stuff and I was like I could I could get some leather and put that with my jewelry and it It kind of uh you know help fluff up my uh, inventory a little bit I guess yeah um and then once I I started buying some leather scraps there's a a hobby store here that I I bought like a couple pound bag of leather scraps and once I got work with that stuff it just I I actually started enjoying it. I was like I started enjoying that more than I enjoyed the jewelry part of it. You know I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the smell of leather. I enjoyed the textures. I enjoyed the different shapes, and it's it was almost like that. When you're a jeweler, you're working with like gold or silver. There's like two or three things you're working with, but when there's leather, it's it's endless. You know it's it's. I mean, just the different shapes and the different colors and the
0: yeah. It's, it's quite sad in that regard because, like, um, I know in Australia, I think like the amount of jewelers is, I think, even uh-huh. in Adelaide, like, just, they just there would not be like the jewelry, like, a jeweler compared to like an electrician. You just have like, yeah, it's it's kind of sad in that regard, like the um, because it is is such a skilled trade, and I guess it's one of those industries that you know you can get to get like someone who can get Chinese-made jewellery, sell it for, like, ten bucks yeah. and just decimate, like, a trade. It's quite sad in that regard. Yeah. And like you said, unless you're, like, you know, in demand, you're sort of... Um, or in, like, a city or... There's lots of people with money and all that. It's, um... Yeah. No, that's that's very interesting. So, like, um... so So, how long ago was that when you sort of... Discovered it's, it's it's weird leather like yeah it's um yeah I'm just looking at like a leather wallet I made now it's like you just would never would have thought that this sort of would have taken it's, your interest
1: yeah um I've always enjoyed kind of making things once I got out of college um the whole the thing that intrigues me and and that I enjoy about working with jewelry is it's there's always like it's always a problem to solve yeah like either at fixing jewelry or or you know making things or it's always it's everything's a problem and it's fun figuring out how to fix that problem you know mm-hmm. and you're in pieces like you have a leather hide and the problem is how do I get this leather hide and to, to make it look like a bag or make it look like a wallet you know that's the the issue to solve yeah. you know and to me that's that's the fun part of it hmm. is there do you
0: need like a lot of material like a lot of equipment to if you want to do jewelry like do you need
1: that like the welding thing where you melt down yeah it's it's funny you say that because like you know i'm a full-time jeweler now and part of me wanted to work on the jewelry but once i started getting the equipment together and stuff and surprisingly the tools and the equipment stuff is more expensive for jewelry and Mm. I started enjoying the leather work more, and it started transitioning um, more towards the leather work and farther away from the jewelry because I still enjoy it doing it for my job. Um, but I don't really—I don't know if I would enjoy it doing it forty-plus hours a week and then coming home and doing it more. I don't—I don't think I would enjoy that. But yeah. it gives me just enough a difference, but I still get to use my hands and you know the skill that my trade has provided me with. Um, I still get to do, use those in, in, in a way that, that makes me happy.
0: Yeah. What, what's, that, what's the hardest... Um, I guess, what's the hardest ring you've ever done?
1: Um, anytime you have to, like, rebuild something from scratch, it's, it's hard because um, one of the things that I like about leather is in order to make something, you have to know the steps it takes to get to the end result. So like if you want to build a wallet, you have to know which part to sew first, which part to cut out first, which part to glue first, you know, and it's the same thing with jewelry. Like, you know, that's one of the things that transitions really well is rebuilding a ring from scratch. Um, It's incredibly difficult because you have to know which steps to take when, um, like recently there was a, a ring that, I guess the lady the lady had not had it um, nobody had looked at it or and it's probably eight or ten years and the whole side of it had almost like worn away and there was diamonds poking out the sides and um, it was in really bad shape and it, completely having to rebuild that ring from scratch without design without making a new ring um, you know takes a lot of skill you have to know how or what to do and what steps and what you know what to uh, what to do when in order to make it come out on top and make it come out uh, in the end the way it's supposed to look because you, you you're not trying to make anything better you're trying to make it look back the way it was yeah um and I, I, that ring this is probably in the last month I I probably had I don't know eight or nine hours in one ring wow. total
0: yeah
1: it's something you just you work on it for a couple hours and you get tired sick and tired of looking at it and you just put it away for <laughs> a day and then. And you, you you look at you try it the next day and work on it some more and but again it's just the steps and just like leather work you know what steps to do first I got I got to build this part first in order to set me up to do this part next and it's you know it's it's just that it's that problem it's that my problem is I got to get this ring to look back the way it was and the fun part is solving it
0: yeah with with the, like with those little diamonds and all that can you can you get a diamond and then grind it away to make it make it a little diamond or do you just have to use what is
1: can you shape can you
0: shape a diamond
1: or no there the people is it lapidary is that what they're called the people who like um like shape stones i've never done that okay you, you just get the size yeah you okay over time you kind of accumulate little diamonds here and there um like, at the job that I have now, I have a little tube that probably has, I don't know, 10,000 diamonds in it of wow. various different sizes. And if you, you're you missing a little tiny diamond, I have to pour them out in this little tray and sort through them to find the size that I want Yeah, to be able to to fit in the space that it needs.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, so, how did you learn and refine your skills in leather craft?
1: You know, one of the things that I loved about jewelry is is all the tools and Knowing what tools to use when, and the jewelry transitioned really well, and taught me that sometimes you can get by with using certain tools to get the job done, but in the end, you need the right tools to to do certain things to make your job easier. Um, And it's really it's really gratifying to start. When when I started working with leather, like I remember I made my first bag out of this material that the package said leather. But like looking back at it now, I don't I don't know who calls that leather. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it I don't know what it is, but it's it it may have like touched some leather at one point, but it is not leather. Yeah. But but I just see how I have the tools I had at that point I made work and I've transitioned to trial and error um, of the tools that I have now, and I've refined what tools work, I've refined what tools I do need, what tools don't work for me, um, to where, you know, I can make a bag that looks nice and that people like.
0: Yeah. Why'd you start off with, like, making a bag first, as opposed to, like, a wallet or something smaller?
1: Well, I did, I tried to make a wallet, but the leather that I had didn't really, like, it didn't fold right, It, it, like... It was, it was all floppy looking, and I was like, I'm not making a wallet again out of this material. It was, this material was, I don't even know how, it had to be like, it had to be less than like one ounce. I don't know what it was. Yeah. It, like twice the size of a sheet of paper, and it looked more like making a bag. So yeah. I was like, I can't make a wallet. Let me try to make a bag. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Um, So what was one thing that surprised you about leather
1: craft? I was surprised at how similar some of the tools are yeah like with um i was familiar with like riveting i was familiar with some of the metal work as far as the like the chicago screws and um a, lo- a lot of the metal work is similar a lot of the tools the hammers um i, I had a lot of the tools i needed to, to kind of get started more so than somebody who wasn't in yeah. my position that started off on leather it was it was it was surprising at how well my skill set as a jeweler transitioned to leather work Mm -hmm. as well that that would surprise me yeah
0: do you you feel like you get like overworked then because if you're a jeweler and you're spent like because leather work it's um you know you can spend hours at the desk and like you can skip lunch and like skip eating food and then like really wear yourself down if you're like being a jeweler like you sort of have that stress sort of you're all in focusing on like jewelry do you have that and then bringing leathercraft into it, which is sort of a similar thing. Does that do you feel overworked,
1: or I could see how you could you could, but it, it it's more so like when you when you're a jeweler, you get used to doing monotonous things, like in concentrating for a long period of time. Um, you just get kind of used to it. You get used to spending two or three hours staring at one little thing you know it's it's, as of now it hasn't really bothered me um Mm. leather work's a little little more relaxing to me because i guess i'm not forced to do it because i enjoy it like at work i've i've got this pile of jobs i gotta get finished where you know leather work it's i still have stuff i gotta do but it's more so that i I want to do it not that i don't want to do my job but you know it's it feels different when something's not a job you know (laughs) Hmm. I, I do find it fascinating how, like, um,
0: you, um, like, cause I could enjoy, I could sit there and do like leather work for like f- four hours or three hours on the end, and I'd be fine with that. It, it's, it's just, I don't know. It, it, I find it so strange. Like, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. Did okay. you? Do you? Are you the same thing? Like, you could just sit there for like and just be fine with that
1: it's almost like in my mind i I almost like categorize it as something different like i don't really make it it doesn't feel the same to me so it's not like i go into it feeling like i'm going back to work or i'm using the same skills it's more so that it's something different even though it's similar in a way it's in my mind it feels different I, i don't i don't dread it i don't go into it feeling like i'm I'm tired. I don't want to do this. I I enjoy doing it. And I, I look forward to it. So it's. Yeah. I guess my mind hasn't tricked me yet. Where I, I'm, I'm I'm still tricking my mind, I guess, and and letting it know that this is different and it's not work yet. Mm-hmm.
0: So. <laughs> yeah. What are some leather crafters that you are inspired by?
1: One of the first ones I started watching. Um, I, of course YouTube is where most people get their stuff from, yeah. but little Little King Goods mm-hmm. is one who I. I, his ability, he's, he started off as a photographer and his ability to capture his, his pieces in video and, and, uh, in pictures is one of the better ones I've seen. He, he, he does that really well. And, you know, and I I can see that when somebody has a artistic eye for certain things and you can tell that, you know, he has a background in something that's artistic and more so, than he did when he was a leather smith you know leather smith came second and mm-hmm. his photography came first and I, his videos pushed me to want to do more and well, i can do it this way or i like how he does this or um i like how clean his edges look on this because he did it this way and um his was one of the first videos that i actually started watching and as you know i'm sure you've watched there's lots of people who have videos that you you enjoy but there's some people that have videos that are just nice to watch they're enjoyable to watch and they're very well produced they're 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 just nice
0: yeah i I actually i did some time ago i actually did um go back and watch some of little king's videos as from that sort of photography aspect of it because like you know that it's there's only one way to like bevel an edge, where well, you can like use sandpaper. But you know what I mean. Like there's no, like there's just shoom, yeah. well, that's it. But yeah. like I was looking at it from more of the point of like how does he capture his leather work, and it, it, yeah. it's just like it's phenomenal how he does it. Like I don't know what it is like the camera he uses, but like it's just the, the how it all comes together.
1: It looks it looks professional. Yeah,
0: it's just it's it's fascinating. Like when I yeah. was watching, I was like, this is very interesting. Like um yeah is yeah i just find it very interesting like very fascinating and like because especially because with youtube as well like you need to keep people engaged as long as possible and you know having a 10 minute long video like you know just making a wallet to keep someone engaged for that whole 10 minutes is like a skill within itself yeah. And, you know, yeah, I was watching one of his videos, and you just, like, you just locked on, and you just watch it, like, to the very end.
1: The, the better you get at, at Leathercraft, you, you, like, fast forward through some of the stuff. You yeah. You like, see, like, oh, I can do that. I don't even know how to do that. I, I can do that. But then with his videos, like you said, it's just, like, even though, like, I can bevel an edge, but you just, like, you just watch it. Like, I have to watch him do it. I have to watch. It's, uh, the whole thing is, is nice to watch.
0: Yeah. It's, um... So what are the leather that you like? To use? So, well, hang. On. So, so how new are you are to leathercraft? So what?
1: How? I'd say I've I've been a couple of years, probably. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably probably about two years. Yeah. So, what type of leather do you like to to use? Uh, mostly chrome tan. Yeah. Okay. I, I like the way it looks. I like the the colors you get from like a pull up leather. I like the the difference in that I like the the patina is obviously different than like a veg tan, mm-hmm. um, but like when you make bags, it's so like my favorite part of making a bag is like when you make it. Obviously, you make it inside out, and then with a chrome tan like wax pull up leather, you have to flip it upside down or flip it inside, flip it right side up. I'm sorry, and once you do that, you're the act of flipping it pushes out some of those waxes and you get like an amazing looking like color pattern and it's something you don't get on a veg tan yeah um it's just it's different it changes over time and you can heat it up and and heal some of the spots on it if you need to or um it, it's just a really versatile leather.
0: it's interesting because i've never i've only used chrome tan once and that and that was a Well or, or twice or three i guess like i've had three Chrome tan hides, but they've been all suede. I've never used like a chrome. Oh I probably might... I might have used a combination tan, but yeah, that's that's interesting. So like, because you can't burnish, because I'm as someone who likes vegetable tan leather, I'm just like I don't I don't like chrome tan because I don't like how it doesn't
1: burnish. Like I, yeah, <laughs> like how do you like you you can burnish yeah. it. it. It doesn't it doesn't burnish as well. You don't get that slick glass look to it. Um you kind of get like a, a rougher it's not the same but a lot of the bags and the stuff i use i, I just it's not really my style i don't i, I want my stuff to look a little more rugged a little more um you know not handmade it's not the word but a little a little more rugged i don't i don't want those slick glass looking edges yeah um and it's something i've I don't care to get better at it. If that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm good enough, that I enjoy where I'm at with it, and it and it, it looks the way I want it to. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's that's one thing I do like about the Chrome Tan at all. That you know how soft it is. Um, yeah. You know, especially if you're turning things inside out and with the pull up, so you, you just so you just heat it and it will dissipate the the pull ups.
1: So on most pull ups, like the darker leather is like the base color and the pull up is usually a lighter color. Mm-hmm. It's like the wax that's built up in there and if you like take your fingers and push behind the hide, the wax is kind of distribute and it pushes the lighter color to the surface. Yeah. Um and that's the the wax is, is kind of pushing to towards the surface. So if you take like a like a hair dryer or a heat gun, yeah, um and kind of go over it, it'll kind of any kind of scratches you hide unless it's like super deep, it'll it'll kind of hide them and make them go away.
0: Yeah. Because um, it
1: distributes that leather over again, or distributes that wax like evenly again.
0: Yeah, do you use Holwein? Because I know that they have like a really good reputation when it comes to chrome tan. I've had my eyes on a couple. I never have, but yeah. I, I've
1: always wanted to use it.
0: Yeah, I'm getting their um their their Essex, their Horween Essex, uh-huh. and it was hard because like not many suppliers like had the color that I wanted. And yes, yeah, so I've I've ordered it. Well, I haven't paid for it yet, but I've. I'm getting the the Essex cuz it kind of is is quite soft and malleable and mm-hmm. cuz I wanted to make a bag out of it. So um and they got like their Dublin range which is that has I like, bit I think I think that is a vegetable tan with a bit more um pull up waxy pull up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they have like a I know that they're one of the main people for chrome tan have a really good reputation
1: yeah one thing that they do that i i, I really like is their it's they, they stamp their logo like on the undersides and i love like on the wallets you can kind of see the horween symbol and the i just yeah. think that looks really neat on the
0: yeah on on the chrome tan or on the shell cordovan
1: i'm not the, uh, maybe is it just a shell cordovan i'm not sure i just see their i've seen on the wallets that look nice
0: yeah the circle that says like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but i'm pretty sure they do stamp there are other ones, but this just might be just, like, a Halloween gotcha. riding. Actually, so what What about your your grand opening? So you, you're sort of... Um, how did that go And I guess, making the website and all that sort of stuff?
1: It, the website's a lot bigger pain than I thought it was going to be. Like it's, it, it's, it seems like it'd be super easy, but, like, it's... it's the website's probably the hardest, the website's more difficult than making the leather sometimes. Yeah. Um because at least at least with the leather I kind of I kind of know what's coming but as you know with the website like if you don't update a plugin right next thing I you know your website's down and like you didn't know that for 2 days and yeah and you and, and then you do update a plugin and it crashes your site for whatever reason or it's just, it's a lot of work. That's just keeping your site running yeah is a pain. What what did you what's it, what's a plugin? Okay, so so uh, WordPress is like the engine I use for my uh, website, Yeah, and a plug-in is like a, uh, it's almost like an application on the, the site, so like, I have a plug-in that runs my credit card reader, the credit card machine on my site. Yeah. Um, anything, any kind of application or any kind of like, I have where I collect an, uh, email addresses for a newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um the application it runs that's called a plugin so anything that you have on your site that um kind of runs something on it you, is, is what's called a plugin yeah um the the program that i use to monitor my um, traffic is, is a plugin so anything that you have on your site that manages something needs to be updated just like a, a computer program almost yeah um and if something updates and doesn't mesh with the other programs on there it can it can crash your site
0: really <laughs> okay yeah
1: or if you don't update it and it's out of date and it, there's and well in order to take credit cards on your site you have to be uh your site has to be certified or has to have that little uh locks symbol at least here
0: does, does mine have a lock symbol? You, well, you, i just use shopify i was gonna
1: i was gonna ask you that why did you choose wordpress over um i don't because i had Back in the day, I had messed around with websites and stuff probably six or eight years ago, and that's what I used. Mine
0: does have a lock on the...
1: Yeah, it means your site's secure. That means you can take credit card payments. Oh, cool. Um, Yeah. it, it It's a certain type of encryption you have to pay for or whoever runs the site pays for or whatever um, that enables your site to take credit cards and yeah. encrypts it in a way that keeps hackers from getting information.
0: Yeah. Okay. It just means your
1: site's safe for credit card payments. <laughs>
0: oh, okay.
1: Yeah. And so if you if one of your plugins uh is not updated correctly or is not compatible, then it can your your secureness of your website could be invalid and it could crash because of that. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of little things that keeps it running. Mhm.
0: Like webs the website just even for me like in my case um I remember having pictures up there like this was I think this was even before I had my logo. Like and the pictures were just so boring and then just slowly over time you just add like something else so then you you sort of refine it and it becomes like a yeah um a work in progress I guess. But yeah the websites can be hard because you know they have to be presentable and easily easy to navigate and everything. So yeah. Your first like I don't know, your first item you
1: sold. I'm trying to think. It's amazing when you sell an item. Yeah, no, I love. I, I get a. I get a reminder on my phone, like it pops up, and mm. I. I you no, know, I. I know exactly what that picture looks like that pops up as my phone, but no, it feels good. I don't really remember. It was probably. It's probably just some earrings with some leather. My mother in law, likes to support my business, and I. I'm a super appreciative of it. Um, and she's kind of turned some of her her. Uh, friends and coworkers and stuff onto my stuff Mm -hmm. um but she may she was she was my first sale because i was trying to test out my credit card reader to make sure it went through right Mm -hmm. and she bought probably fifty dollars worth of stuff um and as kind of like a test but just to see how everything operated see the emails go through correctly and see how the whole process went but she was probably my first official sale
0: I know, it's amazing when you've when like even when I get a sale today, it's 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 so it's like you get so happy because there's there's so much stuff that goes into it and Yeah. Um yeah, it's um do you have for someone to look at it and think, Yeah, I'll buy that. It's it's quite yeah. amazing.
1: And I think that's part of the lure, like you you want other people to realise that this this is not like you you bought a, a some other big box store, like it's Somebody is excited when you when they get that, and it's the item that they cared about, that they made, they shipped, that they took the time, you know, to write a note or to do whatever, you know, it. That means something to that craft person way more than that person on the other side would ever expect it to.
0: Yeah, I know, and especially when you if you work for like a business and you know you're selling their stuff, it's kind of like you know just another sale. But when <laughs> you're the one that you know makes stuff, it's it's um. It's very satisfying um i think also it's also the trust as well you know you're like a customer's trusting you to fulfill and it's just i don't know that makes it even more special
1: yeah um it's almost like more of an obligation like yeah that they they have fulfilled their part of the deal and now it's your turn to to give them the service and the, the item that they expect from you and you's yeah. like a Almost like a burden to some degree.
0: Yeah, like I'm making a belt for someone and it's like I'm checking, like, ev- like, if I had to make a belt for myself, I'd just, I'd smash through it so easily, but now, like, someone's bought, it's like, just check every make sure everything's correctly. And, yeah.
1: like, I do the same thing. Yeah. So items you'd want to make in the future. I kind of mentioned earlier that I really like that Horween symbol. Um, sure. I'm in the process the yeah i'm in the process of well i've talked my wife's on board with it i'm looking at getting a laser cutter the one little king does yes oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna get the he's got the uh what is it uh um, glow forge yeah yeah that one's nice but it's a little out of my price range you, you can get some stuff on amazon and ebay that's probably about half the money that's um i won't say they're better they're less user friendly but they're a little more powerful a little bigger space um yeah, for about half the money, and those allow you to uh, kind of pump out stuff faster, and it also allows you to to kind of experiment a little more. And hmm. I like the idea of putting almost like a brand or a repeating pattern on a on a bag. Or oh yeah, you've seen those bags that like the coach, you know, the coach bags that have the coach symbol all over them. On the laser cutters, you can dial back the intensity of the laser. And it it will engrave instead of cut. Um, so if you could take like a picture or like a, a word and and repeat it or a symbol all over the bag, I, I think that'd be really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, I think the ideas are endless as far as stuff like that with coasters and just adding symbols and, and pictures and stuff to to the leather hide itself would be really neat. Yeah, it's just it,
0: like it's, it'll, it's just a very like they put so much heat like through that little yeah.
1: beam, it just Wow. It's a it's a laser yeah it's it's not just a it's there's these big laser tubes it looks like a light bulb almost it's like I don't know a foot and a half long that it's almost like it looks like something you get at like at a like a, a science lab or something this heat it's this laser shoots and it reflects off these different mirrors and then shoots down to to draw like a CNC machine almost wow but it's it's it it, it, it could shoot hole through uh, some really thin metal a um, quarter inch plywood um, it'll, it'll do some damage. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But then you can dial it back and then you can engrave on stuff. Instead yeah. Of puncture through
0: it. Yeah. How, how is that, um, all those machineries like CNC machines, Marie, Marie and, um, like lasers, how has that changed the, has that, um, developed ever since you were like, when you first started jewelry, like,
1: has it made it easier or a lot of the stuff I used to do, uh, the, the waxes that you would produce on, that you would grow from your computer were produced by hand. Yeah. There would be an artisan that could carve your ring out of wax, and then that's what would be cast. Um, that was a lot more um, the norm when I first started because the 3D printers weren't really that big. So if you wanted a wax of a ring, you, somebody had to carve it. Um, and there was people who specialized in carving waxes um, and that's what they did mm-hmm. um, because the 3d printers weren't around but that's probably the biggest one cnc machines and stuff aren't still aren't really around they don't really do much with those um, the casting process hasn't really changed in a while um, laser welders are are a little new but they're more for repair than they are for designing mm-hmm. um, other than that it's there's not a lot of machines it's pretty simple it's like there's a uh, some kind of gas. There's a little torch, and you know, and some jewelry. That's, yeah. that's that's how jewelry's been made for quite a while. So with with that, so with that little wax ring, you
0: you'll put it in that and, that fine pancake stuff. You'll put yeah. them on top, and then you'll pull it apart, take the ring out, put it again, and then you'll pour the material in. That's
1: well, that that's kind of like the the generic way of doing it. That's people who don't have a a kiln do it that way um i've heard the word like, talking like yeah it's killed from a uh like would make pottery yeah like the, like the furnace they put pottery into it's called yeah. kiln um if you don't have access to a kiln you have to do like the two-part method where you sandwich the pieces together but the method that jewelry uses is just one piece and there's a another hole on the top part of the cylinder that you pour the Okay. Gold into okay, so it's and then that way. correct, oh, yep. okay, yep. okay. Yeah. When, when you sandwich something together, there's potential to lose a little bit of detail and there's a potential to uh have a lot more cleanup, like it, it'll leave a seam around the whole ring. Any mm-hmm. kind of space that the gold or any kind of space that it can get into will leave a lot of um a, a lot of stuff to clean up in the in the end, mm-hmm. yeah. Some of the stuff you probably if it's under some, some some detail, you might not even be able to clean it up. It might be something you can't get to.
0: Mm-hmm. What is um? Because I know, like, we're, I was on like buckle guy buying some stuff for this bag that I'm gonna make, and they mentioned like this is low lead brass under like a mm-hmm. thousand or one hundred PM or whatever. So like, what does that what does that mean?
1: It's just the alloy they use. Like lead melts at a really low temperature i guess it's a little cheaper yeah um depending on the alloys they use it can change the how strong a metal is um, or how brittle i guess for buckle it'd be more important to not be brittle Mm -hmm. Um, and you can have the finish of a buckle that looks nice and sometimes they can cheap out on some of the alloys that they produce it with and kind of drive the cost down Um, but you lose some of the longevity if you use some of the cheaper alloys, and I'm assuming that's what they're getting at. Yeah. Using something that a little more expensive alloys to make the material a little stronger. Okay. It's probably a little more labor. It's probably a little more labor intensive to have a finished product as well. That's why yeah. the cost is probably a little higher.
0: Because I got like I got nickel plate buckles, so they're brass mm-hmm. with like nickel plating. Do they yeah. do
1: they tarnish over time?
0: Will that nickel plate come
1: off or? I don't have a lot of experience with nickel plating. I have a little bit. Um, if you're plating sterling silver with any kind of... If you're plating like gold on top of serving sterling silver, you have to plate it with nickel first. For whatever reason, the the gold plating won't stick to silver. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to plate it with nickel first. Um, and then you plate it with gold. Other than that, I don't have a lot of experience. i say the nickel itself wouldn't really tarnish. It might flake off eventually or might might scratch, or the plating might flick off, but other than tarnish, I don't don't think nickel really tarnishes. Yeah, okay. Because I know you can get, like, you can get, like,
0: antique, I think antique would be another plating as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you can get, like, stainless steel as well, so I think that, but I think that's more of a solid, um... Correct, yeah. Solid, um, metal. So, um, so why do you want to do leather craft full-time?
1: um it's something that i i see a little more sustainable again i i enjoy doing jewelry i I feel like i'm good at it but i don't want to invest the amount of money the the equipment and the um, supplies and keeping all that gold and silver and the jewelry it's 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 expensive i know i know (laughs) i know leather is expensive too but having all this one ounce of gold it's like I think it's, yeah, it's eighteen hundred dollars or something. Yeah, it's I think it's twelve, twelve hundred, thirteen hundred here. I don't. Know, it's been a while since I've looked. Yeah, but yeah, it's expensive. Um, and just having all that around, and I see that as something where I can do that in my, at my house. Like I have a detached garage that I'm building a shop out of. Um, I see myself waking up in the morning and, and going to work at, at my house and doing leather work. You know, that's what I would enjoy seeing in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, how has leathercraft changed the way you look at leather items?
1: Yeah, like I kind of mentioned earlier about like when something says leather, <laughs> like I, I I never really, I just thought le- all leather was leather. Like I <laughs> yeah well, know, I, know, I so. thought I thought it I thought if it said leather it, it's leather. But obviously the more you're into it, you, you realize like man that's cheap. Like it says leather. I, I used to think that stuff was nice. I I appreciate the way leather smells, but I think even more now I appreciate the textures, the even the scarring or the, the imperfections, yeah. or just the the whole piece in general. And I appreciate leather more than I used to, and I understand it more than I used to. And I appreciate a bag made of leather versus a bag that's made of composite leather or or some other style like that.
0: Yeah. I was in a shop the other day, and they had belts there for $15. Like, I've had to price my belts, and I was like, okay, so I wonder what it... Because it's like, you, you have to factor in the cost of the leather, the shipping, like, how much that little... That, that one point, like, that inch of... Like, inch and a half of leather actually costs in the grand scheme of all that. Then it's like, the buckle, the thread, like, the labour that goes into it, then it's like, plus the profit, like, that you make from it. And it's like, okay, there's a $15 belt, it's like... I wonder what what the margins are for, like to make that leather, to produce it, ship it, and then make a profit of it. It's like if if they're charging fifteen dollars for it,
1: like I wonder it, what it they really, bought it, it for. It, it it opens your eyes at how much the materials cost that they bought to make it with, because and, the materials and, that that cost doesn't you can't really make that any less. It's only a certain price and labor. Like I mean,
0: the labor would just you, be ridiculous. It's just it makes
1: you it makes you respect. A, a, a nice belt or a nice like wallet or it, it gives you a whole new meaning of what something is nice. Yeah. Hmm.
0: And it's, yeah. And, yeah. And I think like, also like the way I've looked at things as well now is, um, you know, if someone's like charging like a hundred dollars or something, I thought, you know, they're making a hundred dollars, but in, in reality, like by the time they like factoring to produce it and then ship it, then st- stock it, it's like well they're probably not making a hundred dollars and yeah yeah so thanks jordan for coming on i appreciate it
1: not a problem